What is happening, guys and girls? Welcome to episode 21 of the Triage Method podcast. How are you this week, Paddy? As per usual, I am absolutely fantabulous. Me too. It is too easy, as they say. So yeah, this week, what we're going to be doing is serving the triage ladies, okay? So, you know, there's a lot of information out, <laughs> information out there with respect to to dieting, to training, etc. And it's not exactly always the most helpful for women, okay? So, you know, the, we all know that the, the fitness industry as a whole is a kind of a male-dominated industry, especially, you know, personal training. So as a result, you know, it's all these personal trainers and nutritionists, etc., who put out information, it's generally tailored towards males. And that's also because, you know, if you look at the the, sci- the scientific research when it comes to weight training and dieting and stuff, it's very often males, you know, because it's the males that are weight training, it's the males that volunteer for weight training studies when they carry out these studies. So as a result, it really is quite male dominant as a whole. So what we want to do is cover over just some of the obstacles that women encounter more than men when going through a diet, okay? So we're going to be covering over them, and if you want more detail, then you can, of course, join the Triage Militia and get all of the information. But Paddy, I know you, you've you've written some excellent articles in the Triage Militia um, on the the kind of female obstacles, like hormonally, on that kind of, that kind of deeper level. But on a more surface level, like practically, what do you think are some of the main problems that women run into when dieting that males maybe don't have to deal with quite as much? Yeah, like this is a topic that people just fail to address, and it's a bit strange that people fail to address it because it's well, essentially fifty percent of the market is obviously female, you know? And so they're obviously running into these problems that perhaps males aren't running into. And now obviously this is shades within shades. Like this isn't just a, oh, male-female divide. And we're not talking pseudo-fucking-science where it's like, oh, females should train differently because they should tone the muscles and not try to get big and bulky or any any kind of shit like that. Like, like as you said, we're talking practical things that women are going to experience that perhaps men aren't going to experience some men are going to experience this especially if you are a lighter male a smaller male overall like you probably are going to encounter some of the problems that the the generally smaller and lighter females are going to encounter as well you know so it is like some of the stuff we're talking about today is going to cross that fucking gender divide but a lot of this stuff is just glossed over in the fitness industry and the recommendations that are given to men and the recommendations that are then given to women aren't fully servicing the the population, you know? So, for example, the one that always comes to the top of my head, you know, you, you might hear here in the fitness industry, oh, you want to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. And you're like, yeah, perfect. You can get behind that. Simple thermodynamics. It's too easy, you know? And then you look at, okay, so let's extrapolate that. Where do we go and how much of a calorie deficit do we use? to lose weight you know and this is where the wheels start falling off the wagon both in terms of the expectations of weight loss like how much weekly how much monthly you're going to be expected to lose on a weight loss diet and then also how do you set up your diet to accomplish that so if you've already set up your diet with the or a lack of understanding of how fast or how appropriate a given weight loss is for you, then you are going to be in a bad position. And what I mean by that is you might see a coach online or a fitness enthusiast online go, if you want to lose weight, go into a 500 calorie deficit. 
you know, and that's not necessarily bad information, especially if you are a larger male or even a moderately sized male, you know, in the 80 kind of 90 kilo range. And uh, for you, a 500 calorie deficit is probably, you know, perfectly acceptable. You know, you're going to lose a nice amount of weight, probably roughly a half a kilo thereabouts every week. And you're like, cool, that's that, that's perfect. It suits you down to the T because you're like, yeah, I only have about five kilos to lose. So, you know, whatever, that's about a 10, maybe a 12-week diet given a few hiccups, you know? So it's like, cool, this is a perfect setup for you. But then you look into it a little bit further. If you are a 55-kilo female and your maintenance calories are 1,800, you know, a 500-calorie deficit, first of all, just drops off a good chunk of your calories. So it's first of all, it's going to be very unsustainable or rather it's going to be very hard to actually adhere to that not saying that it's impossible because you know people have to go there especially if they are or they may have to go there especially if they are competitors but starting off your diet on 1300 calories gives you fuck all room to maneuver you know so it's going to be harder to adhere to from the start but then also think of the rate of weight loss if you are now losing like half a kilo every week and you only weigh 55 kilos like that is a large, large chunk of weight loss. And you might think, yeah, no, that's great. I want to lose this weight as fast as possible. You know, that that's exactly what I want to do. But hormonally, whatever you want to, every other system is not set up to lose it that fast. Like you're not going to be able to adhere that or you're not going to be able to sustain that for a given time period. Like, yeah, you might be able to go a week, two weeks, but that's why you start getting into this binge restrict cycle because you're like, oh, I've been really, really restrictive. And now my calories have been this low. So I want to kind of make back up that deficit. And you go on this big binge and you're like, oh, now I have to even diet more aggressively to kind of get the weight loss. So this this is the problem with the, the generalized recommendations. They are perhaps perfectly suitable for men. And then they're going to be far too aggressive for women. And now again, this is just a vast generalization. Like there's definitely going to be larger women out there that can handle a 500 calorie deficit and have no repercussions whatsoever. But for the masses, it's going to have a detrimental effect on their ability to adhere to the diet, a detrimental effect on their ability to make sustainable and long-term progress. And then ultimately, it's going to lead to a a cycle where you just constantly fail the diet and then you think it's your problem not the actual way you've set up the diet and not the information you've been fed you know you think oh well dieting is just not for me it doesn't work for me but it's not you that's broken it's the information that you've been given that's broken so that's where you have to come at this entire podcast with that kind of angle this is what this is what you have to come at your entire approach with that kind of angle of okay well who is this information being given to because women are not just little men, you know, like they do have a completely different physiology. So there are some considerations, which I'm sure we'll get into later on. But also, you have to take into account that, you know, perhaps the the information that a man is being given is appropriate, but it has to be scaled to you, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think I think the important thing to take on board with that as well is like, so yeah, the 500 calorie deficit is far more aggressive to that woman that is that is engaging in that diet. But also when we then we can then layer on top of that the fact that women tend to adapt to dieting a bit more aggressively, you could say, in that you know when women do go into a diet, they are more likely to kind of downregulate their energy expenditure and things like that and to have maybe some alterations in mood. And 
if you're thinking about that, so we, if we think about that as, as, as like our starting point, we're like, all right, we already know that we're dealing with this system that is kind of responds a bit more aggressively to dieting, tends to adapt a bit quicker, tends to not tolerate aggressive calorie deficits quite as, as much. And then we, we layer that on top of it in, in saying that, all right, we're also going to put them in a more aggressive relative calorie deficit by just saying, all right, let's go from, let's go into a 500 calorie deficit right away. Then that's kind of a recipe like for disaster and out like it's not real disaster but how it tends to manifest itself is you start it you're fine the first two weeks you're motivated and then you start to feel like you've lower energy levels and suddenly you're a bit more lethargic hitting your 10,000 steps per day oh it doesn't really seem practical anymore your sleep's kind of poor you're getting more stressed at work all this stuff starts to happen and then where do you go you go to look for satisfaction somewhere and that's hiding in the cupboard in the biscuit tin you know and then we start this kind of dangerous like binge restrict cycle that a lot of women do end up in after these aggressive dieting phases and you see this time and time again in like women who diet down to get it to photo shoot condition or to compete and they just end up in this binge restrict cycle and and to be honest like that, that can be purely a psychological thing purely a physiological thing combination of both okay it, it's not necessarily necessary necessarily saying that you had a poor dietary structure in the first place it could just be that after you show or whatever you had a lot going on and you ended up falling into that cycle but we do have to just remember that there are those two things there that women you tend to be need to be a little bit more delicate with the dietary approach if you want to preserve health and enjoyment of the process and then we have to remember that okay when we say delicate that might mean a, a less aggressive calorie d deficit than the male in the first place. So while a 300 calorie deficit might be kind of conservative for a male, it could be just fine for a female and could be the same relative change. Yeah, and this is, this is a big one as well. Like females do generally adapt to dieting much quicker. And you'll notice this yourself if you are a female or if you are a coach who is coaching females. You'll see it um, played out if you're not tracking steps or you're not using some, like you don't have to track steps, but using some metric to track your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So if you're not tracking steps, you're not tracking anything like that, what you'll see is the energetic female will go in and be like, yeah, cool, I'm going to crush this diet. Training has been going well. I've built a good bit of muscle. You know, my cardio, I'm, I'm feeling pretty fit. I'm feeling good to go. You know, they've kind of prepped to prep. You know, they're in a good position to start with. So you think as a coach or as someone coaching yourself, you're like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm ready to diet. I, I have good practices in place. You know, maybe you're not tracking everything that you could be tracking, but you are doing a lot of the right things, you know? So you go into your, your we'll call it aggressive calorie deficit, that 500 calorie deficit, you know, because that's what all the bros in the gym are saying do. You know, you want to lose weight, you want to start off 500 calorie deficit, you know? And you do that. And first week, you're like, yeah, I'm noticing a bit of hunger, but you were kind of expecting it because, you know, well, you're dieting. So obviously you're going to be a little bit of hunger, that little nip of hunger. You were expecting it. No big deal at all. Right. Second week, again, you're like, OK, I'm getting a little bit hungrier. But at the same time, I've also noticed my activity levels have gone down. So you're starting to perhaps sleep a little bit more. You weren't one before to sit in bed all day watching Netflix or whatever else. And now you've noticed this Saturday, you're like, yeah, no, I need that. You know, the Sunday, you need that. Or in the evening, you're like, normally you would go out and maybe socialize or 
do something outside, go for a walk or something. But now you're like, no, I'm kind of like, I'll just stay inside, you know? And maybe it's just a week is in it. You're just like, yeah, you rationalize it. I'm just a little bit more tired this week of a lot going on at work, et cetera, et cetera, you know? So you're like, cool, I noticed that, but it's not a big deal. But then the next week happens and maybe you are really being adherent to the diet, you're really strict with it and you're going, okay, look, I'm, I'm feeling that nip of hunger, but, you know, I, I want, I have goals, I want to achieve them. But it's starting to really play at you that your, your activity levels are going down, you know, so you're parking closer to the shops, you know, rather than what you used to do and be like, oh, the shops is a 10 minute walk down the road, I'm just going to walk down grab the few things and then walk back. Now you're driving down and you're, you're <laughs> driving around the car park trying to find the closest space to the shop, you know? And this is what kind of happens throughout the entire of, we'll call it a prep or a diving phase where you'll just get, I want to say lazier, you know? You just get lazier and lazier. So all these little extra things you were doing, you just stop doing it. Now, unfortunately and fortunately for guys, like generally it takes you to get very, very, very lean. Like I'm talking, you know, sub 8% body fat before you really start noticing those kind of adaptions, right? Or adaptations, you know? So a female might notice that at 20%, you know, three days in a calorie deficit and she'll start noticing that she's going, okay, cool. My, my activity levels are going down. And, you know, physiologically, evolutionarily, this makes sense because, you know, women are meant to survive and be the successor of the human race. Like you're able to carry a baby and reproduce. And, you know, we want to actually keep you alive because you are able to do that. You know, sperm is a fucking dime a dozen. Like it only takes one guy and he can impregnate hundreds of women, you know, whereas if there's no women, like you're fucked, you know, and obviously if there's no men, you're fucked, but it's much easier to keep one man alive than try to keep 500 men alive and one woman and then try to re-fucking populate the earth, you know? So statistically, it makes more sense if there are more women alive than men in this apocalyptic scenario. So if there's a starvation thing, you know, an ice age, a catastrophic... I don't know, comet, asteroid, whatever hits the earth and we're left to survive, the women are going to survive longer. And you see this played out in, you know, concentration camps and stuff like the men would die off quicker. And you would think that would kind of be converse to generally what you would think because you're like, oh, men are big and strong and, you know, we're adaptable and we're survivable. But men will just fucking fidget themselves to death, you know, like low calories, the guys will just keep walking around. They'll keep fucking, you know, clicking their fingers, moving their feet, tapping their feet, you know, fidgeting, generally doing whatever. And women, nah, man, three days in, they're just like, oh, okay, I've noticed I have less calories. I'm going to sit down here and conserve my energy. So women's bodies are fucking smart. Guys, we're fucking dumb, all right? Like we will literally fidget ourselves to death in a, a calorie deficit. So put this into the modern context here when you're like, oh, I want to lose weight. I want to diet. For a guy, cool, 500 calorie deficit, even if you are, you know, uh, weight match and you're like, oh, I'm 70 kilos, he's 70 kilos, I go on the 500 calories, he goes on the 500 calories. As a female, unfortunately, you're going to adapt to that much, much quicker, you know? So you'll start down-regulating all these extra processes, whereas the stupid fucking guy's body, he'll keep fidgeting, he'll keep moving around, you know? And you'll start noticing, okay, well, he's losing more weight like quicker than me, like week on week, he's continuing to lose. But, you know, we started off at the same rate. Say you lost whatever, a pound the first week, and then you were a half a pound, but he was a pound again and a pound again. You just kept going down near a quarter of a pound and it's like barely even noticeable now 
four weeks in, you know? Um, so this is what will happen. You'll just downregulate all these extra processes that you were doing. You won't fidget as much. You won't be as talkative. You won't like be as expressive and emotive with your hands and gestures and even facial expressions, all these kind of things. Like you'll just stop doing them or at least downregulate them so you're doing them much, much less. So unfortunately, females have this, you know, set up, the system set up where they, they do adapt to dieting a lot quicker. And evolutionarily, it's fucking awesome. You know, so you can you can put that out there, be like, you know, you are a survival machine. Unfortunately, in the dieting context, it fucks you up because you are now going to have to address having a system that is essentially working against you. It's downregulating these processes. And like, there are ways around it, but you can't fool physiology, like even tracking your steps. You know, that's generally what we would recommend as a marker of, you know, keeping track of this non-exercise activity thermogenesis, all this fidgeting and all this kind of stuff. Like seeing where you're at is a good point. If you're going into a diet and you haven't been tracking like your, your steps or whatever, like I would start out by doing that so you can get a general gauge of where you are or where you have been. Like for general population, it's a good idea. And like we can argue again, like what the studies say and everything, like people are like, oh, 10,000 steps, you know, that was also done in a male population. So to actually equate that to a female population, again, if we're talking about sizes and stuff, that's probably going to be about 12,000 steps for a female. However, I'm not going to get that pedantic. All I want to do is standardize it in some way. So having a very broad region of 10,000 steps being like, this is the goal I want you to hit, 10,000 steps per day or rather 70,000 steps per week because it's a little bit easier for some people especially if you have an office job or whatever it is to maybe make up some of those steps on the weekend you know maybe you do like to go for a longer walk on a sunday in the sun or whatever it is you know so you do have to standardize that because as a female you are going to adapt to dieting a lot quicker and if you're not tracking or at least trying to track some sort of uh, non-exercise activity thermogenesis like you are going to find that it's actually so much harder for you to consistently stick to your diet and lose weight um, in, in a consistent and long-term manner. So that adaptation thing, you do have to take that into account. So even if you are weight matched and you're like, yeah, cool, well, 500 calories is the, the magic number, or maybe you're listening to us and going, you know, maybe 500 calories is a bit of a stupid number for me because, you know, I'm a, I'm a 60 kilo female. So that's probably a bit aggressive. I'm going to go, you know, 250 or I'm going to go 300. Do realize that even at that, you are still going to adapt to it quicker. So it might be a relatively equal dieting phase or a relatively equal deficit, but your body is adapting to it a whole lot quicker. So your body's smart, and unfortunately, that leaves you a little bit skewed towards your your goals. You know, and this kind of brings us into the next thing, which is a rate of fat loss. Because you'll see again these rates of fat loss that are given as a general recommendation for men. And, you know, maybe it's like, oh, you want to lose, you know, a half a kilo per week or a kilo per week. And yeah, okay, cool. That, that makes a lot of sense. If you're roughly in that kind of moderate uh, male size of 80 to 90 kilos, you know, that's cool. Um, that, that's working out at whatever it is, you know, 0.5 to 1% body fat or 1% body weight. And you're like, that, that's a perfect rate of fat loss. However, if you're a 55 kilo female, you know, losing 0.5, to one kilo per week is really really aggressive you know and to get that level like you're going to have to diet hard so if you want to then go by that standard of just using a weight as your measurement you're going to be in a bad position from the start because your expectations are unrealistic because you're essentially using a male's 
expectations. So do play that, like put that into the overall equation. Like what we generally recommend is, you know, a 0.5 to 1% uh, body weight reduction. And generally for a female, like I'm actually looking at the lower end of that. And if we can get it just below 0.5, even better, you know, so we can go on a nice, slow, steady uh, diet rather than a more aggressive one and hopefully combat some of those adaptations along the way. Yeah, I completely you know? agree. Like, uh, you know, it's common to see some males who will diet and they'll literally just lose that like almost a kilo per week like consistently for weeks on end and it's like cool you know you had a lot of fat to lose you were 90 kilos or whatever it was possible for for that to happen for you but when it comes to females like you're just dealing with a completely different system and if you're getting that 0.5 percent per week on average like that is excellent progress and i say on average because you cannot expect to see it every week like we know that there are changes throughout the menstrual cycle in your body weight that are going to make it very difficult for you to just move down every single week so what we kind of like to do with our clients is more so look at like like week to like week so if it's let's say week one an easy way of marking it is like just after your period just because it's easy to know where you actually are so kind of in that week one range of your cycle if you compare that from month to month and then look at your average rate of loss, then that's a good way of looking at your progress because this is something I encounter with a lot of females is that they won't progress for one week and then they'll freak out and feel like they're not getting anywhere when in fact the change of body weight was pretty much just down to the normal changes in water retention that come with the menstrual cycle. And that's going to be different for every woman, okay? Sometimes you will see huge fluctuations that follow the textbook expectations and sometimes you won't see that at all sometimes people will just maybe flatline for most of the cycle have this massive spike before menses and then drop down again and some women will just kind of be somewhat linear throughout it really is different for everyone so you have to keep that in mind but from a practical perspective i would be a big fan of looking at like week to like week so once every four weeks kind of reviewing your progress like you will have a rough idea of where you're going in the meantime like if you are if your weight is increasing every week then you kind of should should be able to identify that all right maybe i'm not going in the right, right direction but like it's also very easy to just keep like a menstrual cycle diary like if you've got three months in a row of data that suggests that there is a certain pattern to your body weight throughout the month then it makes it easy for you to then predict changes in the future when you are going through these dieting phases and i think that's an important point because i think a lot of women are just like not as aware as they should be of their menstrual cycle, when it is, where they are in their cycle, how it impacts them. And it's generally just a kind of a lack of mindfulness. Like if you're able to identify that, all right, I feel good on this week, I kind of feel sexy on this week, I kind of feel a bit moody on this week, and on this week I feel like a whale, then at least you know those things are coming, you can predict them. And when they do come your way, you can kind of say that, okay, you know what, this actually is my norm. So then you don't have to have those kind of negative emotional responses when they do come your way so if you if you know that you're going to be feeling low mood one week then when it does come and you are in that low mood you can say it's okay i kind of knew that this was coming because i had predicted it in the past so now i can deal with it a bit more objectively be somewhat rational about it rather than just freaking out um so i think it's important to just develop that awareness 
Yeah, th- this is also a thing, like even with the, the tracking of your steps and stuff, like a lot of women just don't track their cycle. And I don't know about you, Gary, but if I was bleeding from my dick <laughs> once a month, like I would want, I would want to know when it was going to happen. <laughs> You know, like I, I, I would want to be somewhat prepared for that, you know, um, and I, I just don't know how it, like it, it goes, you know, you're whatever, 25, 26, 27, 28 year old female. And you're like, yeah, I've no idea like what stage I am in my cycle. Like it, uh, it could, like, I think I had a period two weeks ago, maybe, maybe it was two, maybe it was three. I'm not sure. You know, like you've no idea of what kind of regular pattern you follow, you know? So tracking your cycle, like there's there's hundreds of apps. Like there's you can get paid apps, there's free apps, there's so many things that you can easily use to track it. You can use a pen and paper. Like there's so many methods you can track it. Like that's not what we want to go into in this podcast. Mm-hmm. But start tracking your cycle. Go like, okay, how do I, like day one, like day one will just say is, you know, menses has stopped. You know, that's that's your day one. Like go go for that. See how See how long it takes you. Start noticing, okay, when do I think or when do I feel like I'm ovulating? Like generally, it's if we have a textbook perfect cycle, it's going to be two weeks later, you know, 14 days. You know, no one actually has a perfect textbook cycle. But roughly speaking, you know, two weeks later, you're like, okay, cool, I'm ovulating. You probably feel really fucking sexy. You're probably like, oh, yeah, swinging your hips is a bit different. You're feeling fucking on fire, you know? You feel great, you know? And then you're like, okay, cool, it's a bit downhill after this. And then the week before your period, you're like, okay, cool, I do feel like a whale. You know, I notice my feelings are such a way and I notice that, you know, my clothes don't fit how I want, even though you objectively look pretty much the exact same, you know, subjectively to you, you're like, oh no, like I just, I don't feel sexy. I don't feel like I'm in, you know, like the, the clothes aren't fitting the way I want them to. So once you know, and you're kind of like, okay, cool, I've been tracking for a while. I know where I'm at. I know how my body is actually responding, you know, objective data. You're like, okay, cool. My, I, I feel like I'm a whale, but like I'm measuring my tape measurement around my navel and you know, it's actually the exact same. So although you feel like, you know, you're 10 ton Tessie here walking around bloated and full of water or whatever, you're like, no, it's objectively speaking, you know, the scales might be up a little bit and I might feel like shit, but all, all my data is saying that I'm roughly where I should be at and I'm roughly, you know, in and around a normal range for me, you know? So having that data is so vital and again it's even more vital if you're not a regularly cycling female you know like if you know your your cycle is extended out to like 48 days or whatever it is 50 days i don't know whatever it is for you like having that data is vital so you can go okay so i'm going to be able to predict roughly when i am menstruating and roughly how my body is going to respond to this dieting phase like if you're like okay cool like normally i'm thinking i have two weeks of good feeling awesome dieting uh, just after my period and um, for for a, a normal quote-unquote normal cycling female and you're like no i actually have that extended out to four weeks because you know my my cycle is actually two weeks longer you know and um, like that that's you, you need to have that data so you need to be tracking that kind of stuff because again like you're kind of just pissing in the wind if you don't know what the story is there like if you're like i, I don't know if i carry more weight i don't i haven't noticed if you know, my mood is different. I haven't noticed how my feelings towards myself are different. You know, if you know that and you know, like week four, looking in the mirror makes you feel like shit and you just want to go and eat that fucking tub of ice cream then. Like if you know that, then knowing to not look in the mirror and th- thus being able to stick to your diet uh, 
you can avoid it. You know, you can, you can just stop doing it. You're like, yeah, okay, cool. I feel like shit on week four, but I still have goals and I still have an objective that I want to get to. And yeah, okay, cool. Maybe it is, you know, illogical or whatever, not, not fully reasoned or whatever you want to say, but looking in the mirror makes you feel like shit and you can't stick to your diet then. Cool, fucking avoid it. Who cares? Like, don't step on the scales in that week. Yeah, if you feel like shit every time and it makes you go off your diet, don't fucking do it. Like, who cares if we don't have a week's worth of data because you know every time you step on the scales during that week, you feel like fucking shit. You know, like, you don't need a scale to tell you you feel like shit. You know, so don't step on the scales then. Cool, no big deal. But at least you know that that week is coming. And rather than stepping on the scales and seeing the number that you don't want to see and feeling like all your progress is gone and you've just, you know, fucked around for a month, then, you know, we can actually better plan for your overall progress long term, you know? So you do need to be tracking this kind of stuff. And it's unfortunate, again, that the the fitness industry is dominated by males because, you know, most males just kind of shy away from talking about this kind of stuff because they're like, oh, like, I don't really know all the ins and outs of it and, you know, I don't really want to be discussing it because, you know, I don't want to think about it. But it's like, yeah, okay, cool. That That's fine. You can do that. Train males. But if you are training females and you're not discussing this stuff and you're not looking into the, the patterns that go on with a female throughout their cycle, how they feel, how their body, uh, you know, it, it, it responds to different nutrients, different fucking protocols you're bringing in at different ty- times during the month, then you're kind of, again, like shooting yourself in the foot because like Gary said, you should be comparing like week to like week. And like Gary said as well, like the first week is probably your best bet in terms of marketing progress because that's generally when you're going to lose all that water weight and you're going to be at roughly your lightest. You know, maybe throughout the cycle, if you're more aggressively dieting, you are going to be lighter. But as a general rule, like that first week is when you're going to be at your lightest. So using that as a kind of a barometer and a marker going like, okay, so I want to know how I respond week to week based on this week, you know, then you can actually plot long-term progress, you know? So that that's kind of what I'd be thinking about that whole thing. Like if you're not tracking, you're just guessing, you know? So you have to track where you're at and where you're going then. Yeah, I'm still thinking about that uh, image of my dick bleeding, to be honest. So oh, baby. <laughs> hopefully, I ne- hopefully I never have to deal with that, especially not every month. Uh, but yeah, I, I think another important thing to kind of, add on top of that then is the actual tools that we use when dieting because i think you know for example if we look at flexible dieting you know the whole concept of flexible dieting or ifym or whatever you want to call it you know you'll see some people spend i say spend like 500 calories of their total calorie budget on crap so for example they might have like some ice cream, some chocolate, and a few jellies, you know, after their workout because hashtag Luke 4 or whatever. So they, they have that 500 calories from these kind of somewhat nutrient void foods, we'll say. So if that was from a 3000 calorie diet, let's say, that's probably not going to be too much of a big deal. You've got 2,500 calories to make up your protein intake, um, to consume adequate fiber, to consume adequate fruits and vegetables, to cover your general micronutrient needs, and to cover cover your fiber intake, and to cover you actually being full throughout the day, which is pretty important when dieting. But let's say you're a female and you are consuming 1,500 calories per day to diet, let's say. If you eat 500 calories, you've then got 1,000 calories left to try and get in sufficient protein, sufficient fiber, sufficient micronutrients, 
And that's going to be very, very difficult, both from a satiety perspective in that if you're eating a thousand calories worth of foods that are wholesome, nutrient dense, you know, filling, it's going to be far more difficult to reach that level of satiety that's required for you to adhere to the diet because you're spending a third of your calories on shitty foods that aren't really giving you what you actually need. But on top of that, like beyond just adherence, you are definitely at a higher risk of developing nutrient deficiencies or slight insufficiencies purely because you've only got a window of a thousand calories to try and get in sufficient vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients. Like, are you confident that you could use only a thousand calories per day and get in all of your nutrient needs across the spectrum? Like, realistically, it's going to be difficult, especially across the whole spectrum to get in everything, you know? So you do need to be thinking about these things and thinking about how being flexible and having that IIFYM approach could impact your dieting as a female who is on the lower end of calories. And if you also think about how that 500 calories of crappy food is going to impact your adherence, you know, if, if we think psychologically and we think about the foods that you actually desire, if you're already hungry, you already have you know, this, this constant building hunger throughout the diet because you don't have enough calories that you'd like and you're making poor food choices, if you then add on the fact that those foods are incredibly tasty, incredibly rewarding, it's going to drive you to want more of them more often, which again, reduces your chance of adhering to the diet and increases your chance of actually running down that binge eating cycle, which you most definitely don't want. So you do need to think about that when it comes to flexible dieting and thinking about how flexible can you actually be? Because you know, people always use that kind of 90-10 rule or 80-20, but you see the way they then act and it's not 90-10 at all. You know, they say they spend only 10% of their calories on crappy foods each day, but when you actually look at how many calories they're consuming, like let's say they go for a burger and chips every day, or they go and get pizza, or they have a tub of ice cream every day, it's like this is more than 10% of your daily calories when you actually look at it. Um, so keep that in mind. And another one of the tools that kind of fits in there is intermittent fasting. You know, it's, it's very popular these days for people to use intermittent fasting. And I'm not talking about the kind of the kind of quack side of things where people talk about, you know, autophagy and all this kind of stuff. I'm talking more so about intermittent fasting as a tool to induce a calorie deficit. So maybe you only eat for six or eight hours per day. But again, as we spoke about earlier, women are going to be more sensitive to that low energy availability. So if you're already in a calorie deficit and you have 16 hours in the day where you have no energy coming in, then again, you're more likely to run into some of those quote unquote negative metabolic adaptations to dieting so you do have to keep it in mind and think about what actually helps me towards my health goals and helps me to be adherent to the process yeah, this is also a, a big thing for for women as a whole and um, for men as well but generally you'll see it a little bit more in the population that is women those females you know um, and this is kind of fit, fits in with that whole iifim type deal where if no foods are off limits, you can kind of build this negative relationship with food. And I don't mean in terms of like the, the opposite side of the thing. If there's certain foods that are off limits, like you'll build a negative relationship with food overall. Like if, if you can't have, I don't know, carbs, like all you'll want is carbs and you'll build this real like negative relationship with that. What I mean is the 
if there's no foods that are off limits and you're just like, oh yeah, like I can just fit things into my overall calorie budget and there's no real structure to your day. There's no real, we'll call it rigidity to your day where you're not having, you know, a breakfast, lunch and dinner that are, you know, good, wholesome food, or that's not what you're focusing on, like nutrient density. You're not doing any of that kind of stuff. You're just kind of like winging it. IFYM. That's what you see everyone do on social media. They're like, yeah, cool. I only have like a, I have a flexible diet and all you ever see them post is, you know, Snickers and Smarties and pizzas and burgers or whatever else. Um, and you kind of think like, okay, well, that's how I should eat. But then this leads in the path of like picking that food, you know, where you're like, oh, like I'll log that later, you know. And generally you'll see this a lot in women where they will like pick, pick it a little bit here. Like say, like Gary, you go out with Delta and you know you're like oh cool i'm gonna have dinner and you're like cool i've I've budgeted for a burger and chips you know and delta's like cool i'm actually only gonna have i don't know whatever a burger she's not in for the chips you know and then you're having your meal and she'll have like a little handful of your chips but she won't account for them like she won't put them in my fitness pal she won't track them because, you know, first of all, it's like, oh, like it was only a handful of chips, no big deal. And because you're you're in this mindset that like, oh, I can just fit anything in my overall calorie budget. It's no big deal. Like I have this really, quote unquote, healthy relationship with food where, you know, no foods are off limits and, you know, blah, 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 I'm flexible, you know. But then all those little things start adding up, you know, that little square of chocolate that you had, that little bite of the biscuit that you had, that little handful of popcorn, that little handful of chips, you know, they all add up, you know? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I was in a 300 calorie deficit because, you know, I was listening to the boys and they said like, yeah, cool, don't be as aggressive, you know, maybe track my meat. And I'm doing all that, but I'm still not seeing the weight loss. And it's like, are you actually accounting for everything you're eating? Because generally what you'll see is women tend to pick at these foods a lot more often. Again, like we can get into like, evolutionary reasons for this and all that kind of jazz but like at the end of the day like i'm not i don't care why women tend to do it more i'm just i I care more about the fact that women do tend to do that more so how about we address that and go let's see what kind of strategies we can bring in to stop that happening so if you are dieting and you notice that you're not losing as quickly as you potentially should you're taking the menstrual cycle into account you're tracking your niche you're tracking your calories and you're not aggressively dieting you're not you're doing everything right and you're going why am i not losing like actually assess whether you are actually doing everything right like see if you are grabbing a little handful of food here and there see if you are you know sneaking a little bit extra like every time you're pouring out your oats you're like okay cool i just have 55 grams 60 grams every time even though i'm supposed to have 50 and it's like yeah okay cool that that's that shit doesn't matter if you are on like 3000 4,000 calories like overall like who cares if you're up like 40 extra calories it's no big deal you know who cares if you're off by a little bit but if you are dieting on really really low calories and you're over calories by 40 you know that 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 is something that can make and break the the deficit because your your deficit is so small like you know say a 250 calorie deficit you know you have one handful of chips like potentially that's fucking gone you know like and now you're just eating a maintenance you know, so you do have to put this into the overall structure and the overall context of your your diet. Like, if you're not being 100% adherent, and this is the unfortunate thing for females. Like, first of all, it's going to be harder for you to adhere because you've been given bad information. But then also, it's harder for you to actually adhere to your diet because you know you're picking at things and you're not seeing 
the results that you want to see as a result. So you start dieting more aggressively, which just makes the picking worse. And it makes these binges happen. And then you're like, well, fucking dieting is not for me. I'm just going to give up. You know, I can never lose weight. And it's like, you just need to take a step back and actually assess like where are you following the plan 100%. And obviously this does occur in guys as well. Like I'm not just picking on females and going, oh yeah, you're fucking, you're lying to me. You're fucking picking at food or whatever else. What I mean is like, do actually assess whether that is what is actually holding you back from your overall goals like are you like ha- having that little handful here that little bite of something here and that little fucking extra bit here because if your deficit has to be small to stop these adaptations happening like a truck happening hitting you or if these or if your overall calories are not quite high and you're you're, you're dieting almost aggressively but it's not aggressively because you know you have to get them that low then having a little slip up here and there is going to affect you more so you do have to put that into the overall context of your, your dieting structure. Hell yeah, boy. I agree. There was one more thing that was on my mind. I can't think of it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The issue of eating out, which you kind of covered. But, you know, when it comes to eating out, what you have to realize is that women are at a bit of a disadvantage in that menus simply are not set up for you. Like realistically, in a perfect world where feminists would not stab me for saying this we probably should have different portion sizes for men and women like that would be helpful to maintain a healthy population okay purely because if you are dealing with a person who requires 3000 calories to maintain their weight and someone that requires 2000 calories to maintain their weight by offering the same meal size caloric quantity to the person at 2000 calories there is a direct increase in the chance of them being overweight or obese or gaining body fat in the first place like we can all agree on that that is an objective statement so do not send triage a lot of emails about how sexist that is um but it is it is something you have to think about when going out because you you see this a lot where girls will just get the same meal as their boyfriend partner whatever and like that's not a bad thing like i'm all for that i'm not gonna say that women should you're a scumbag but you just i know i'm scum i'm actually gonna be killed for saying this we did actually make a post about why women have a difficult time dieting before and we got killed remember that we got killed but uh anyway (laughs) um but yeah it's just it's just something to keep in mind you know a lot of meals like when you eat out for example could be as much as like 1200 calories and like that's something like especially if you are someone who eats out regularly like i know i've had some clients in the past who are like business women and you know they have regular business meetings with clients and they're kind of expected to eat normally you know when they go to these meetings it is something you do just have to factor in and it may require you to play around with your diet a little bit more in order to allow yourself to eat out and have those meals but it also may require you to be a bit more conservative with your choices and to maybe be honest with yourself and say that look i know that my boyfriend is getting a burger and chips but for me like that's probably not a great option, especially if I've been putting effort into, you know, dieting and bringing my body weight down and I'm struggling with it. And that's the other thing to keep in mind with this. Like we're not just putting out this information to say that, oh, everyone needs to do all of this stuff. The whole point is that we assume that if you want this information, there's something you're already struggling with. So like if you're a woman listening to this, you eat out regularly, you have no issues, you maintain your weight perfectly, you're in good health, then you don't have to change anything based on anything we say. Rather, we're saying that, all right, if you are in this position where you are struggling with weight loss, you're struggling with these different barriers because they haven't been presented to you, we're now saying that, look, these things are here and this is how you kind of navigate them. So 
don't just think that this is a sweet ball recommendation for everyone. It's just for those who are actually having issues. Yeah, and this is the thing as well with eating out. Like the, like you said, like the, the calories. It's the same thing I always say. It's like if you go into a shop, like how many times does like a clothes shop? How many times does something just off the rack fit you perfectly? Like it's rare. Like you have to be very generically built to have clothes fit you perfectly off the rack. If you get like, like I'm quite tall, but I'm not exactly like huge. So I have to get like the uh, extra, extra large clothes like to, to fit me. But at the same time, then I'm just swimming in them because I'm fucking shredded, bro. No. Uh, <laughs> um, so like uh, the clothes don't fit me, you know? So the same, same with going out for meals. It's like, okay, cool. This meal is just a planned set meal. You know, it's, it's not necessarily for you. It's not necessarily for you. It's not necessarily for either sex. It's not either, nothing like that. It's literally just like, yeah, this meal is a thousand calories. I don't care if you fucking are tracking your macros or you're not tracking your macros. It's irrelevant. Like I'm just want to make a tasty meal. That's what the chef is thinking, you know? So you do have to think that go, and generally like women are better at this than guys. Like guys generally have fucking eyes bigger than their belly. And they'll be like, yeah, cool. I can fit in that fucking extra stack of ribs and fucking, you know, uh, mash and fucking gravy and chips and fucking whatever else. And you're like, okay, cool. But you're excuse me, you're way over your calories. Whereas women generally have a better gauge for it once they're aware that, yeah, okay, cool. You know, maybe this isn't actually going to fit into my overall structure. They're kind of like, okay, cool. I'm going to make some adjustments throughout my day and I'm going to choose a better meal to fit in my overall calories. You know, like like I said earlier on, like they, the guy will go, oh yeah, I'm going to have the burger and chips. And the, the, the female will be like, okay, cool. I'm going to have, you know, <clears throat> The, the chicken there and you know a side salad or something because she's like okay cool that actually fits in my overall structure better and it's what i want like i know if i had that burger and chips i'd be full halfway through and i won't finish it you know like generally females are better than guys like guys will be like oh they've, they've put out the food like i have to finish it or i'm weak you know whereas females are like you know i'm, like, I'm actually fucking done like i'm i'm finished like my, my stomach is full you know i don't need to eat anymore so there are advantages for women as well but like you were saying gary it does put you at a little bit of a disadvantage overall if you aren't keeping yourself aware of some of these hyper palatable foods where perhaps you won't get that fullness or that lack of a hunger signal or whatever you want to call it um after you're eating them so like say like a you know a burger like a big fucking greasy double cheeseburger or something like even just the burger itself could have like 1200 calories you know and you're kind of going like yeah but i wouldn't be full after a burger even a double cheeseburger or whatever but you're still getting the calories in so you know maybe these these natural hunger signals aren't helping you as much as they would in some settings you know so it is like i said it, unfortunately it's just a a fact it's not saying that you should be excluded from eating out or you should have to change everything about your approach just by virtue of your gender it's like no that's not what we're trying to say what we're saying is there are things there are obstacles that you're going to come up against in a male dominated industry where it's like oh these are the recommendations we give generically and when they say generically they mean to guys you know and if, if you're not more aware that there are certain issues that you are going to come up across then you can't actually make the adjustments that you need to make to stop those issues preventing you from getting your goals you know or achieving your goals so that's all we're trying to do 
please don't come at us feminists. I know, I know they did before, but sure, look, it is what it is. Um, yeah, like I, I think overall, like there are advantages and there are disadvantages. And unfortunately for women, you are going to have to be a little bit more particular with your diet. You are going to have to, I'm going to say diet more aggressively, but I don't mean in terms of dieting more aggressively by lower calories. I mean more aggressively in that your your execution of your diet is going to have to be way more on point than perhaps a guy's would have to be, you know? Um, you, you're going to have to diet and be very meticulous with your intake, like actually tracking more things than perhaps, like a guy can get away with a little bit more and still get results. Whereas you're like, no, I actually have to track all my veg and I have to track everything to ensure that I'm on track rather than just kind of hoping that that extra 300 calories, 200 calories that I ate through a little bite here and there doesn't doesn't add up and doesn't hit me in the ass. Hell yeah. So I think, have you got, have you got anything else to add or do you think that covers it extensively? Because I think that was tasty. I think, I think our girls are going to love that shit. If you could stop calling them girls, Gary, that's Sorry. actually really, really, really fucking derogatory. Women. Scumbag. Ladies. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I think if the, the, the females out there that are perhaps having a little bit of a harder time dieting realize that, okay, my diet doesn't have to necessarily be as aggressive as these recommendations and losing somewhere in the range of 0.5 to 1% body weight per week is a generally good place to be at you know if you're going more aggressively like you may run into these adaptations a little bit quicker but you know potentially that's what we want to do because you know you have an event in six weeks whatever it is realizing as well that there are these adaptations to dieting that are going to make it harder for you to adhere to overall to your diet so you're going to have to be a bit more meticulous in terms of tracking your non-exercise activity thermogenesis like your steps and stuff and trying not to downregulate all that stuff and um, by again being too aggressive with the diet and then also realizing that the the menstrual cycle clearly plays a role in this and we could get all complex and be like oh you know fat oxidation at this time and glucose metabolism at this time but at the end of the day i don't think it makes a huge discernible difference and like yeah you can get into that kind of stuff and play around with that kind of stuff and you know experiment a little bit but overall just realize that yes your cycle plays an influence especially on your progress in terms of tracking your progress realizing okay well maybe my weight isn't going to be as linear as these fitness professionals are suggesting uh, or your weight loss shouldn't be as linear or isn't going to be as linear and then also realizing that perhaps i'm going to have to be a little bit more meticulous with my overall diet setup and overall diet execution like not going on these really restrictive calorie diets and then binging not then falling for the hype of like iifym and going like oh yeah cool i can fit in all these extra calories these hyper palatable foods and then like being left feeling really hungry and stuff like i, I always cringe a little bit when i see like you know small females having that like bowl of cocoa pops or whatever after training and they're like oh like dieting on like 1200 calories it's like oh, like you just like that's such a large chunk of your overall calories. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's enjoyable, but man, no doubt you are hungry throughout the day uh, after that, you know? So realizing that, and then also realizing that potentially eating out or even being in different environments, like, you know, the work environment, you know, there's celebration boxes or biscuits, roses, whatever else around. And like even having one or two of those can potentially put a big dent in your overall diet 
progress. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. So being more aware that those things do play a role, I think that kind of sets you up for better long-term progress and actually sustainable dieting. Yes, sir. And for any, for any ladies who are like, would just love to be on a low carb or a high carbohydrate diet, Mr. Uh, Callum Raystrick, who some of you may know, just dropped us a message in our private chat that we have. And he, he is currently on 600, 720, 940, 1090, 1190 grams of carbohydrates per day. <laughs> yeah, but in fairness, like he's, he's pretty skinny. Like, like, he's, not, he's, only, he's, he's only in that, what is a moderately large range. You know, he's only like, what, 120 kilos or something like it's pretty skinny. Yeah, well, yeah, not bad for a fella who's only been training for six months. Like, yeah, know, like that's what I mean. Like, um, anyway, Gary, we are coming up to the hour mark. Do you have any parting words before we jump on another delightful Facebook Live in the militia? I don't. I think that was a good podcast. I think they're going to like it. So. Ladies, thank you for listening, and guys as well, because obviously there's some keen listeners who want to help out the girlfriends and their girl friends who want they want to be their girlfriends and clients, etc. So, wait, are you are you trying to say, Gary, that females couldn't listen to this podcast and couldn't help themselves, and that they need the help of a guy to decipher this information and you know then help them? Is that what you're saying? Oh shit, we've been. You are actually press. a scumbag. I actually low key think you are a sexist. Actually, oh, actually, it's not even low fuck. key. It's it's high key. Like you, you are actually a sexist. You just hate women. You're a misogynist. <laughs> That's I crazy. actually think you're a misandrist as well. I think you hate men as well. Like you just fucking up up the patriarchy. <laughs> Anyway, um, do we have any events coming up? Anything coming up? I know you are still on placement. You have another four weeks, is it, of placement? Yeah, another four weeks. That's too easy. That's right, boy. Um, yeah, and then we're just going to be dropping absolutely sick content everywhere. Yeah, like that. now is the time to get into the militia because, man, we are going to go thermonuclear for the next while. Like once we're both finished college for the semester, Gary, you're going away, are you? You're on a, a content creation trip, aren't you? Yeah, I'm on a <laughs> triage method content creation trip to Bali. Purely business. Of course, of course, of course. No, like, son, who needs that? See, oh, that. No, 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 no. Oh, God, no. No, I'm just Jesus, learning how man. to... I'm learning how to instruct yoga and uh, I'm going to do Thai boxing as well. So Muay Thai, that's going to be my, my holiday. That's it. Like indoors in the darkness. Cool. Good, good, good. Like if you actually get a tan and you come back, like I would be fairly disappointed. Like, Oh no, we're against tans. That, that's not, that's not what we're into. No, no exposure. No, not at all. <laughs> anyway, we are hanging up the call. Gary, do you have any final parting words? No, let's hop on the militia now. Bye-bye. Like, Love y'all. XOXO. XO.